of uncommon, where together we make sense. But do we? I'm Shira Shim. I'm Bill Nealon. And this is our first show and a very, very special show to us. Yes. Uh, it's a show that almost didn't happen. And following shows almost would not happen or occur. You know that old story, want to hear God laugh? Tell him your plans. Yeah. Well, we were preparing for the show. I mean, this whole thing was in shambles. We didn't have anything. We were redesigning and we were putting up shelves and banners and backdrops. And um, along with that, I'm also training. And I train with the master trainer here, Bill Nealon, three times a week. And um, one day after training, I go home, take a shower, and wake up the next morning, and I have this excruciating pain. So um, I called Bill. I'm like, hey, I got this pain here. On um, It felt like like my rib, like the very bottom of my rib. And the way you explained it to me, you said it was the, the muscle here. Well, I've, I've had the same injury myself, Shira, mm -hmm. where I've strained. There, we have muscles that surround the rib cage, the serratus and intercostal muscles. And if you overstrain or, or maybe do an exercise slightly out of position, yeah. you can strain that muscle that runs along the rib cage. And as you know, our rib cage and lungs, they expand and contract. And if you strain that intercostal muscle or serratus muscle, it's going to grab. It's going to hurt yeah. when you do that. So I assumed that, and I was checking my mind. I said, well, you know, I never saw her wince or, or yeah. strain in the gym. I, but I attributed it to something we did in the gym that must have been in a slight injury you incurred. So then I recommended to you, well, I would ice it. You know, we'll kind of, we'll track the workouts. We'll yeah. back up, down a little bit and see if that just should just go away. Yeah. Uh, well, I did. I put ice, um, a little bit of biofreeze, even uh, uh, maybe a week or two later. Well, I mean, I'll say a week. We put Volterran, mm -hmm. and it just, the pain wouldn't go away. But what it came with was the shortness of breath. And it started out just every time you would cough or inhale, you would feel this, ah, oh, this, this pain here. And we just thought it was, uh, you know, exercise. Maybe it was a, a pulling movement or a pushing movement. But again, I didn't win, so I didn't, I, I, I trained, it was great. And that took me out for like a week. I couldn't train like I normally would train for about a week. And in between that week, I kept icing this section and just, it just, it just wouldn't, wouldn't, healed like I, like I thought, and the shortness of that breath was the worst. So I decided after about a week and a half, listen, I'm going to go to the urgent care because there's there's obviously something wrong. There's something, there's something wrong. And um, I get to the urgent care, and the doctor, you know, she asked if I worked out, and I do. And she says, uh, well, yeah, and she explained it to me the way you did. There's a, there's a, there's a muscle here. You know, you have shortness of breath because of that. She gave me Salonpas, S-A-L-O-N-P-A-S. It's like a like a thing you put over it, supposed to heat it. And then she also prescribed naproxen, 500 mg. It's like a medicated Tylenol. So I go home, I take the, the Tylenol, the naproxen. But I'm, guys, I'm not a good pill taker. I am the equivalent. You know, the people who are afraid of the needles? I'm that in pill form. I need to have applesauce or pudding or something because if I taste that pill, 
it's it's I'm gonna like throw up. So anyway, I took one or two pills. Pain did go away, and I was able to work out, but the shortness of breath was still there. And now it that shortness of breath was decreasing, little little increments. So I took you know I waited about another week, and then one one night I I don't know if it's something I ate or. We, we didn't do anything out of the ordinary. We went to, we went to lunch, mm-hmm. didn't eat anything out of the ordinary. But I wake up and my throat is swollen, okay? I couldn't swallow. It felt like there was a little ball in my throat. Every time I swallowed it, like plucked it. So I go to the fridge and I'm, I have ginger tea. I use like the mucinex, the, the liquid form medicine, and then lozenges. And I think I might've made it worse because I'm like attacking this thing all night with the tea, the losses, <laughs> the medicine, and it just swollen up. I mean, my throat was huge. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't sleep because now there's no, for one, shortness of breath. Two, now my throat's full. I remember it was a Sunday, and I said, okay, I'm going to go back to the urgent care, but not the same one. So I go to a different one. And the doctor, he was very nice, and um, really all he did was, he took that wooden stick and he just stuck it in my throat and he goes, oh, you have inflammation. And I said, okay, well, is that all? Yeah. So, well, doc, um, out of all the symptoms, I'm really, really concerned about the shortness of breath. He goes, well, let's, let's see, let's, let's do a COVID test, let's do a flu, flu test and we'll see. So both come back negative. And now I'm, I'm even more worried because with the test, if it was positive, okay, good. That's why there's a shortness of breath. That's why these things are happening. But no, n- nothing. So he chops it up to congestion and I must have a severe cold. Okay. He prescribes um, Lycodin, which is a, a liquid um, numbing kind of thing. Use a syringe and you take that and put it in your throat and it's supposed to numb the area. Um, these six-day steroid, little steroid pills. And then uh, amoxicillin, I'm going to butcher the word, amoxicillin? Amoxicillin. Amoxicillin. And um, amoxicillin was 10 days. The, the, the steroid was six days. I said, okay, all right, this must be the answer. So I go home and I'm thinking to myself, if I have a severe cold, I'm not going to sit down and take this lightly. I'm going to work out. I'm going to jog. I'm going to do this. And, and I'm going to sweat this out. Instead, um, the shortness of breath got worse. The minute I took the steroids, throat went down, everything, fine. But the shortness of breath worse. It just, it just decreased. And I remember waking up at night just three o'clock in the morning, just sitting on the side of my bed, and I, I try grasping for air, and I'm wondering what what is this? Why can't I breathe? It doesn't make any sense. I used to jog up my steps. I have three flights of steps, and I'm walking past the steps, looking at the memory of myself going up these steps. And why why can't I do this? We we start to train a little bit because again we're thinking it's. It's the chest congestion, you know. You said to me, Sheila, yeah, that cough though, that 
That's yeah. what I remember, Sheila, yeah. was that nagging cough. Mm -hmm. And the pain <clears throat> that I attributed to maybe the shortness of breath came and went. And I would ask you periodically when we trained, and again, we, we modified the training a little bit. She goes, oh, it's not bad today. Yeah. She would yeah. tell me it's not really hurting today, but there was this persistent cough. And when she would cough, <clears throat> then it would. And that cough wouldn't go away. The other symptoms all went down. But this cough wouldn't wait. I had to stick or remember. Now, this lady can squat 135. That's a big plate on either side of an Olympic bar for 15 and carry on a conversation. Because of, you know, the, the shortness of breath and her general malaise, she wasn't feeling well. She, we thought, was fighting this virus of some sort. I put half, less than half the weight on. She did about three repetitions and put it down and sat down and had, I'll never forget, the bewildered look on her face. And she couldn't breathe. She couldn't breathe. She just, her body just said no. And she set the bar down and looked at me and she said, I, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong. I can't do this. Yeah. And now this lady is a go-getter. I mean, whatever she does, whatever, she attacks it, finishes it. And she needs no help from anyone else, thank you. And to see her puzzled and confused. And now this has been going on for weeks now, right? It's been going on for weeks. And the, the real culprit, the factor was, but we couldn't put our finger on what it was. She had been misdiagnosed twice by two urgent kids, had misdiagnosed her, and really, to me, didn't thoroughly investigate. They never took an x-ray. Bill, they never, they never said to me, listen, take a second opinion, you know. Right. And for me, they always ask you, shortness of breath. That should be the main concern. That, yes. that should say, listen, urgent care does not have the equipment to really check you out. But give, tell me to go to the ER. And they should have. None of them did. So we're, you know, we're still training. I mean, I'm. And in the meantime, we're putting up backdrops. We're working. We're, we are working hard. We were preparing to, for the show. Yeah, we're trying to get this this the, the studio ready, and um, everything is laboring. I'm I'm tired. <sighs> you know, and I I would just from lifting something. <sighs> I'm. You know, this, this, I couldn't get any air. So a couple of weeks go by, all the medication is done. And I said to myself, the, the, the throat thing is gone. I had swelling in my feet, which was weird. That was gone. Um, but the cough and the shortness of breath, still there. And now the shortness of breath is worse. Okay, so what is this? So um, remember we had a conversation on the phone. And he said, Sheila, I don't know, this, this cough is really bothering me. And I think it was, it, was a, it was a Tuesday. And he said, you know what, if, let's say by Saturday, Sunday, if you still have that cough, I would, I would go see someone again. I said, all right. So Wednesday goes by, I'm, I'm not here, it's my off day. Still, shortness of breath. At this time, I can't even clean. I can't even clean my house because I'm, I'm so tired. So I'm moving really slow, getting off the couch. Everything is, I'm really tired. And imagine yourself, a person who's healthy. I eat healthy. I work out. I train. Why is this happening to me? So now it's Thursday. This has been going on for weeks. And I wake up and I knew something was drastic because when I went, I walked out of my bed and into the bathroom, and I was, it felt like I had ran a marathon. And I put my hand on the counter, 
And I said, okay, something something is wrong. And I, te- remember I texted you and I said, listen, I'm going to go to the ER because something is wrong. Like, like, it felt like I was breathing through a straw. I get in the shower, you know, put the hot water on, and I, I just feel like I'm melting. Turn the cold water on, I get a boost of energy, and I get out and I'm just drying myself. And I'm like, I lay on the bed for five, like five minutes, just, what, what is happening? I get up, pack my bag, because I'm thinking, I'm going to go to the ER, they're going to give me like medication, and I'm going to come work, <laughs> drive to West Palm, and I'm going to finish the studio. So I pack my laptop, and and I like kiss my dog, and I remember saying to myself, okay, all you have to do is get from the third floor condo to your car. When you think that, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. I'm, and what made it worse, my building was redoing the roof. So the smell of tar. Soon as you open the door, I'm like hit with all this smell. Oh no, please. Because it makes it worse. Now I'm going down the steps. Every flight of steps, I'm stuck. Because I I can't, you know, I get to the car. Normally, I would open the passenger door and put my purse in. I couldn't even do that. I just went to the driver's side, and I had the purse on my arm driving because I couldn't even I couldn't even take it off. I drive, roll the windows down. The wind is coming in my face, and I turn the AC on. I'm still not getting any air. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to die like this because nothing is working. No outside air. I'm not getting anything inside. And I get to the hospital, and I just remember thinking, I'm here. I'm here. If I get out of this car and I faint or pass out or something, somebody's going to see me. It's not like, it's not like I'm at home. Someone's going to see me, find me, because I have, I have nothing. I have, I have nothing. The, where I parked in ratio to the entrance, maybe like 40 feet, I stopped four times to catch my breath from the car to the entrance. And I remember I, the, the door opened. Of course, there's another door. And I walk in, and I just put my hand on the counter. I'm like, please help me. And she's like, you have shortness of breath? You're, yeah. And they begin this process, and they take me to the back, and I'm in the bed. Everything seems to be fine because I'm in the emergency room now. Now I am, I'm, I'm confident. If, if I'm gonna faint, if I'm, I'm already here, <laughs> take me, like, you know? And um, I'm there and this lady comes by and she has, she has this, looks like a breathalyzer thing. There's numbers from a hundred to a thousand. And she goes, breathe in, give me all you got. So I, it barely gets past a hundred. She, wait a minute, hold on. And she, she thinks it's something wrong with the equipment. She goes, one more time. And I put this, all I had, and it goes to 200. Wow. And she goes, oh, my God, and just puts the oxygen on my, on my nose. I'm still not thinking. It's, I thought it was like pneumonia or something. I'm thinking, Bill's going to see me in about an hour, so <laughs> I'm still thinking about work. And I'm just sitting there waiting, and the doctor comes back. They, they've taken blood for me, and she goes, we, um, we see an abnormality in your blood. Hmm. Okay. 
So we're going to test that and then we're going to come back. But I, I feel like they knew, they had an idea of what it, what it was, but they wanted to be sure. Another 20 minutes go by and she comes back. And the look on her face, well, Michelle, you have two blood clots, one in each of your lungs, of your lung, and they're both in the main artery. And I, I did this weird thing. I was nervous and I did this weird thing like, <laughs> Jamaican joke, blood clot, you know? And she goes, I wish it was. I wish it was a joke, but it's not. You, you have two kind of big blood clots in your main arteries, in your lung. And I asked her, are you sure you got the right patient? She goes, Sharika Shim? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, we're going to have to keep you. <sighs> My whole world just starts spinning. And the first thing I do, I pick up the phone and I start texting Bill. <laughs> and what did you say? <laughs> you said, I'm on the way. <laughs> well, I get this text. And now this, this lady, you know, she's on death's door, but she's got this laundry list of things to do before she gets to the gym. Okay, she can't make it down a flight of stairs, but she's coming. Yeah, that's how tough. This lady. I mean, you know, it's a it's a tornado or tidal wave, or it has to be something real to stop her. But seriously, guys, I have a look, Bill. Before I get there, you know, have the paint ready. Did you paint the bottom of the of the table for the you know for our podcast? And I've got stuff, you know, I'll line out for you. And when I get there, we're going to do this and this. I'm just going to make a quick stop at the emergency room place. <laughs> Seriously, but she gave me this list, and then the next text I get from her, she said, Bill, I'm in intensive care at Pembroke General Hospital. I have blood clots, two major blood clots on my lungs. This is my friend I talked to the night before, and the shortness of breath, she wasn't feeling good, but being the trooper she is, she soldiers on, she does what she does. And I had noticed, yeah, she's not her 100% self. She was sometimes a little short with the answers and not as verbal as she usually is because she had been laboring with her breathing for, for all this time. And I, I still wasn't able to put together the culprit. And then she said, blood clots. And I said, oh, my God. So I said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm coming down. I'm coming down. She said, well, can you please, can you bring me something to eat? I haven't eaten all day. I said, sure. What would you like? She said, Jamaican food. <laughs> I said, where? So she told me this place called the, the Red Pot or no, the Dutch Pot. Dutch Pot. The Dutch Pot, which I had never heard of. But it was a rainy, rainy. I came down uh, the turnpike and it was pouring rain. I said, you know, like, like. Monday, I should be able to get to the Dutch pot, and by Tuesday, I'll be at the hospital. <laughs> when I got there, I got the food, and I got there, and I rushed in, and uh, I come in to see my friend in intensive care. I take one look, and she's got tubes running through her arms. She's got tubes in her nose. She's got an oxygen mask on and a bonnet on her head, and I must be in the wrong room because where's Shira? Yeah. And I looked at her, and she faintly raises a hand. Bill. So I'm in the ICU. They don't know how long I'm going to be here.
like hooked up to an oxygen thing because clearly I can't breathe on my own. I got IVs in my arm. Both of them. I have two blood clots. One in each lung. They're in the main artery. I don't even... You know, I just... My emotions ran like, here's my friend in intensive care. What's going to happen here? Well, I don't know. It's all out of my hands. And I just said, I gave her the best smile I could manage. And I said, how you feeling? Are you doing okay? Uh, you know, what are they saying? She said, I don't know yet. So then nurses come in. And when two nurses come in at a time, it's pretty serious, folks. It's pretty serious. So I'm not in my element here. I keep my mouth shut. And I try to listen to hear everything that's going on. And we realize shortly they're going to move her to another room and they've got to run tests. Yeah. So it's serious now. As you were there, I, I said to her, I said, listen, I have to use the restroom. And she goes, yeah. She pulls out this, this like, bedpan. I'm, I'm not gonna pee in that okay <laughs> i'm gonna walk to the bathroom because i walked in here i and told she, you guys <laughs> she goes okay well you can't and i said well i, I can't I'm, I'm i was determined i'm not gonna use this thing okay so she goes okay <laughs> she goes let's do an experiment so if you can use the i think it's called a commode the sitting one mm -hmm. you know, if you can use that and you're fine, then maybe we can think about you walking to the bathroom. Okay, I got this. I can, I can do this. I walked in here. I'm going to use this bathroom. So I get off the bed, you know, with the oxygen, my, my nose, and here I am, cheer warrior. I'm going to do this. I get off the bed and I make it onto the little toilet thing. <sighs> and she comes in and she goes, are you going to listen now? Yes, please help me. It was, that's the worst realization you can come to because that's how you know something is wrong. When you cannot use the restroom on your own, like pulling down your pants and, and you're out of breath, there is something wrong. And I knew like, okay, I have to, I have to relinquish and give them control because I'm, I'm not well. There's, there's something, there's something wrong with me. And even though they said blood clots, I didn't. I didn't just have time to look that up and know what it was. I wasn't really educated on what that was. So um, it, it just didn't, my mind didn't catch up with the body. Always my mind is thinking I can do anything, but the body just it, it, it didn't want to do anything. And they put me back in the bed. And it was the most embarrassing thing because here you think you can do something and someone knows you can't and proves you right. And you're like, oh my God. So then, they do this heart ultrasound, which I've never heard of before, and it sees the heart and the beating of the heart, and it's supposed to measure how fast it's going and take these videos and these pictures of it so they can get a better view of what your, you know, your diagnosis is. And I sat in that bed, and I, I closed my eyes, and I, I swear to you guys, I'm like pinching myself, like, come on, wake up, wake up, this has got to be a dream. You're asleep. You're asleep, and you've, somebody's got to slap you or something for you to wake up because this, this is not happening to you. 
there's you were fine. You there's nothing. And I opened my eyes, and every time I did, tears would come out because I'm still here. I'm still here. But the great part about it was when I opened my eyes, there was Bill at the foot of my bed, and you're 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 looking at this heart monitor, and the look on your face is just <laughs> well, guys. Uh, no one can say she was heartless because I saw her heartless. Thing. Right. <laughs> but it's a frightening thing when you see your friend laying like that. And even Shira resigned herself to the helplessness and being at the mercy of these, these emergency room nurses. And I have to say, they were great. They didn't exclude me. They let me come in with Shira. They let me be there for her moral support. And I'm watching her laying there, and I'm looking at that heart. And it's beating like this. That fast, guys. Boom, 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 boom. And she's sedentary. She's just laying there. Do they sing sugar? Do they sing sugar? No. And I'm petrified watching her heart muscle beat that fast, and it's going across this monitor, and this nurse is studiously watching her heart rate and her heartbeat. And, I'm, I, and I realized the gravity of the situation. They got her on machines and they're monitoring her heart. This is, I had, wow, it was so serious. And I, I just grabbed her toes. It's all I could do. It's, it was the only support I could give at the time. So I held, I'm at the foot of her, her gurney and I just held her feet to let her know I'm there. And Shira kept closing her eyes and fighting back the tears because she too knew how serious, how dire her situation was. And there was nothing she could do about it. We were in over our heads and we yeah. didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know how deep we were in over our heads. But I'm so grateful to those. And they were kind. They were quick. Yeah. They were courteous. They, uh, whenever Shira needed them and they were comforting, I have to give them, you know, the real, real credit because those emergency room nurses have compassion and they realized that I was there and they didn't say, you can't come in here, yeah. you can't do this. And they, they let me be by her side as close as I could be the entire time I was there. And they spoke not just to Shira, but they spoke for my benefit. So at least I could understand a little bit of what was going on. But the thing is, when you're in there, with your friend, you don't know how long. You don't know what's going to transpire. You don't know if there's going to be more tests. You don't know if it's going to get more involved. You're just sitting there waiting and praying. And we were in there quite a while. We didn't know how long they were going to run these tests. And you can't say, hey, how long is this going to take? Yeah. You sit there and you're quiet. You just silently pray. It's it's the worst feeling because you you're helpless. And you are at the mercy of the doctors. And they moved me to to, um, to like the ICU floor. And I mean, they're just setting things up. I have these these marks here on my chest from the, the adhesive of the stickers. That's how long they were on me. Five, five days, mm -hmm. they were just 
stuck there and heart monitors and I had things sticking out of my arms, in my nose, and cords going everywhere. And they, before they leave the room, listen, you are on bed rest. You cannot do anything, nothing. And I said, well, why not? And she goes, if you move or do anything, it moves the blood clot. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my God. So she she tells me, she goes, um, You've, you've had to have had these for a while. And with the with whatever you were doing, movements, working out, that helped to move this further along. So as not thinking, we didn't know. We didn't know what it was. As we were here setting up studios and working out, I mean, I'm under a squat bar, and I have these blood clots in my, in my lungs, and I have no idea. And the, 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 the saddest, most compelling thing about it is I could have died any time between when I first got the blood clot until that moment I walked into the hospital. And she, I told her, I said, yeah, you know, I was gonna wait till Sunday. And she goes, today's Thursday, you wouldn't have a Sunday. You wouldn't even have a Friday. I said, well, okay. Because you, you think, and she goes, if you would have said to yourself, you know what, I'm gonna go lay down. You wouldn't have woke back up. You wouldn't have got back up. If you would have stayed in that apartment another hour, you would have died in that apartment. And I just, you, it, it, it still didn't set in, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, mm. yeah. Shira and I discussed this uh, after all of this. That day, that Thursday was critical because her body was shutting yeah. down. And I think somewhere... God had things for her to do because he said, get in, get, she knew enough to get to the car that it couldn't go any longer. Her yeah. body was rapidly shutting down, guys. I mean, it was a matter of minutes, not hours. I think as the nurse told you, and their experience, she wouldn't have made it through the day. Her body was rapidly shutting down. It had been so strong for so long with this compromised blood clots that it was finally, it, it couldn't take anymore. It was shutting down that day, yeah. that Thursday. Yeah. And it's I, a miracle. I also, I also found out that from the heart ultrasound, my heart is, is a little bit enlarged because it's trying to do all of the things I'm making it do without any oxygen. And it's that's why it's going so fast because there's, there's no oxygen getting to, to the heart. And she goes, you know, you've got a road of recovery your lungs are going to have to heal, your heart's going to have to heal, so you've got to be good to yourself, you've got to slow down, you've got to, you know, she goes, but before you get to the recovery, you're going to have a procedure in the morning. What? A procedure? What, what is this procedure? Yeah, we're going to go through the, the, the vein in your neck, the vein in my neck, and I'm repeating everything she's saying. <laughs> and she's, 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 she's like, yeah, we, we have to um, pull those blood clots out, shrink them, something. Because you're, you're not going to make it if you don't. Okay. Um, okay. That's all you can say is, okay. You're not going to turn it down because you, you want to live. However, you, you have no control over anything. You have to accept, you have to accept whatever it. they say. Yeah. And you stayed with me as long as you could. 
and then you went to my home and you helped with Rain. And Rain is my little um, Jack Russell Terrier. She loves Bill. You know, he's Uncle Bill. Rainy, <laughs> who's that? Who's that? <laughs> come in, Bill. Come in. Come in. Come, come here, Rain. Come here. <laughs> hey, Rain. Hey, Uncle Bill. Hey. You're welcome and come in. <laughs> hey, Rainy. <laughs> Let me get my shoes off. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Hi, girl. Hi, girl. Did you miss me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, buddy. Hi. Okay, we can play today. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, he did everything I would. Fed her, played with her, locked the door, and left. And every day I was in the hospital, Bill, either before coming to the hospital or after he would go, he would help take care of my dog. And that is, that's my heart. If you thought the heart in the ultrasound? No, it's my dog. <laughs> and he took just beautiful care of rain. But that morning, they came in, 5 a.m. And you never really sleep because they never leave you alone. Every five minutes, they're pulling blood, and then you have this thing on your arm that takes your blood pressure, so you never really get into a deep sleep. And um, they come in at 5 a.m., turn on all the lights. There's three doctors around you. Uh, we're going to take you here. And they start pulling things off and putting it on a, uh, like a portable I'm just sitting there. And I remember saying, I'm nervous. I'm, just, I'm so nervous because I'm by myself. It's 5 a.m. Everyone's home. And I said to myself, okay, God, I know, I know you are here. And I'm I'm not gonna, I never, I never asked why me, why I'm too young. I, you know, I never, because I realized in in the moment they were taking me down to do the procedure that he was with me the entire time i could have died just as she said from the time i got the blood clot up until i walked into the hospital that's that's weeks i could have been a goner at any moment and he was with me throughout the whole the whole time as i'm training as i'm putting this up as sleeping he was there so why would he not be here at this moment and I said, okay, just calm yourself. Just we're gonna get through this. He's he's with you, and you're gonna be fine. But you gotta play the mind game because one half of you thinks you're gonna die, and it's already you know it's already saying, well, you didn't get to climb Mount Everest, you didn't, you know, you didn't get to you didn't get to finish, you know, this or that, or you didn't say goodbye to. And, every, and you're like, no, 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 don't think that. You're going to be fine. Because the moment you succumb to that, that's that's it. That's I think that's what would happen. And I think with all of us, what Shira was facing, one is the unknown. You know, I'm at work, and uh, a few hours later I'm at work, but I'm aware that the procedure is this morning. She's going to be operated on. She's having surgery, or she's having surgery in intensive care in the emergency and I'm absentmindedly training my clients, and I'm just looking to when I can get out of the gym and get down there and see what's going on. Because, of course, <clears throat> she's in surgery. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it was successful. I don't know what they did. I don't know if there was a complication. I don't know anything that happened to my friend. 
So as soon as I could clear my afternoon, uh, right after lunch, I finished my class. I canceled the other ones, actually. Uh, I didn't really give an explanation. I just said I, I can't, you know, I have a conflict. And I drove, you know, down to Pembroke Hospital uh, as quickly as I could. And by then she was out of surgery and she was, you know, a little groggy. Now, uh, let me tell you, the, the surgery, I was awake the entire time. That's right. That's right. When they brought me down, it, I felt like I was in the basement. Because <laughs> everything is silver and, and now there's like 10 people that just came out of nowhere. And they're putting things on and they're, you know, and the doctors come to you. And I'm just sitting in this thing, just like a, like a queen, you know, and everyone's walking around me and, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I'm going to be your, you know, anesthesiologist. And I'm this and I'm that. And, and I'm, in my head, I'm like, I, I'm not going to remember any of your names. I'm not even thinking of the, 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 the highs and the, you, you know what I mean? I'm thinking of like, I'm going to be in surgery. So they, the whole time I'm banking on, they're going to put me to sleep. They're obviously, I'm going to go to sleep, I'm going to wake up, this is going to be good. The doctor goes, well, uh, we cannot put you to sleep. You already can't breathe. So we need your heart to be beating at a certain rate. And we need you to also be breathing and awake for the surgery. And I'm, no, 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 no. I can test. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I'm going to be awake? Yeah, we, we have to be awake. We have to. And they're gonna give you this numbing thing in your in your neck, and you're gonna be fine. Okay, sure. And I'm I'm nervous. So how how I knew that God gives you these little winks um, when they were putting on the the outfit, you know, their their outfits for surgery. They're talking about Ireland. And I, I smile because my friend's Irish. And <laughs> thank you. They could have talked about any other island, country, place, Ireland. They lift you off the gurney and they put you on top of this table. It's this silver, just a table. And I'm laying there and they're moving around and putting things on top. And everything else was covered except this area of my body. And they're wiping it down with the alcohol. And I hear the doctors getting ready, you know, prep this, move this, I need this, I need that. And I'm just sitting there because now I'm bracing for whatever they're going to do. And they put the this other big oxygen thing over my face along with the little one I had on. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just sitting there. I can't, I can't do anything. I can't move my feet. You're just there. And your mind is just going and going. I mean, and I look on the, the the dry erase board, and it says my last name and pulmonary embolism, deep vein thrombosis. It's like three different things. Um, that's me, and I just I still cannot believe I am here. I'm I still I swear I I still I thought I was in a dream. I'm gonna wake up any minute. And say, Whew! I learned from that dream. There's yeah. something I got to learn from that dream. And every time I open my eyes, I'm still there. I still feel like, like I'm in a dream, you know? Like, I'm just going to wake up any minute.
and just be like, oof, thank God that was a dream. And somehow learn from it, you know? But it's not. And I'm really here. So surgery commences and he puts this thing and you feel like a little burn, but it numbs the whole area. And I, I'm probably going to butcher this whole thing because I, I didn't see it, but I felt it. And it felt like four holes. It just, I don't know what it, that he was just punching these holes. And then he stuck this straw, which like a, like a windy straw. And I could feel it all like maneuvering in my chest. And it would stop. And he goes, okay, right here. Okay, I need the thing. And it would go, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this and I can't do anything. Every time I squint, I, you know, do my hands like this. Okay, somebody talk, someone talk, and someone would come to me. Hi, so you said you came here when you were 16? And I'm like, I don't give a damn about <laughs> I don't care about that. And they're trying to talk me. And they're trying to talk, keep me from, like, squinching Catching and up. moving and tensing because then that races the, the, the heart. And he's like, I'm sorry, Sharika, we can't, you know, but we, we got one more. We got one more. And what scared me is when he said, oh, this is a big boy. What do you mean a big boy? And I, I realized the clot must be really big. And I heard, I heard another doctor after a while, because um, you go in and out. And after a while, I heard another doctor say, you know, um, we, got a, we got a lot of it. We really do. And, you know, she, you know, maybe the heparin will, will, will thin the rest of the clots and the surgeon. He goes, no, we got to get all of it. We got we to gotta get it. She's too young. We, we've got to get it. And I just, because I'm on this table. I don't want, I don't want this in me. If you could get everything get it please and he i felt him moving and all you feel is pressure it's just it's pressure and then it hurts because he's trying to curve whatever the machine is or whatever the straw whatever it is to get right into that clot and like break it apart and he would say oh no it's split and i'm thinking oh what's, what's going on <laughs> and i can't do anything i can't actually ask any questions i can't move and you're just sitting there and as i'm I'm there, I just kind of drift off a little. And um, I remember it, it felt like once they took the clot out, the blood started to slowly go back to your heart. But it felt like your heart was just beating slower. And I remember saying, I'm gonna die on this table. I, I said that. And I'm thinking, there's, there's so many things I didn't do. And I don't want to die like this. So, um, but again, you have to calm yourself and you have to remind yourself that God kept you alive this entire time. You're, you know, once this is over, you have a hell of a story to tell, but you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I just, I had to talk myself out of that. And it was it's for you to have to talk yourself out of 
those dark thoughts of what you didn't do or who you didn't say bye to or your dog, <laughs> my dog. And um, it was just a really surreal moment to be awake during a procedure and to hear everything going on and you can't do anything. You can't even, you can't even tense. And when it was over, they clapped, you know, and um, they took everything off me. And I'm mean, like, I'm sweating because they had all this stuff on me. And they took the oxygen. I'm like, no, no, no. Because your mind, it, it, it starts to rely on the oxygen. And um, she goes, breathe. Breathe. Inhale, exhale. And I took that first. And I realized in weeks, my chest never rose like that. It never rose. It never, never. The entire time, it was always these short, but it never. I said, oh my God. I'm never going to take breathing for granted ever <laughs> again. Because you, you, you never... You never think about it. You get up every day, you go to work, you do, you know, you live. And until it's taken from you and then given back, you don't know how to appreciate it. And I mean, just that first inhale and exhale, if it felt like I had I had gotten a second chance at life because I knew what it felt like to have those short, short bursts. And they they said, You're gonna be fine, you don't need the and I'm still looking at the oxygen like maybe, you know. And she goes, you're going to be fine. They wheel me back, and I'm just laying in the bed, looking at the ceiling, like, Phew. you know, I dodged a bullet, like a big one. <laughs> when I came in, and I was surprised to see that she was a little bit, she was a little bit spent, a little bit weak, a little groggy, but awake, and for the most part, alert, and <laughs> Then she related to me, no, Bill, I, they never put me under. I said, what? I was awake. I heard everything. I heard the grinding of the instruments in my chest. I, I could feel it. This snake-like thing in my chest moving around. And, and I remember you praising your doctor. Yeah. He, she said, and I think it, this surgeon was sent by God. He said, he was relentless. He said, no, I'm going to get that clock. And then she related to me. She goes, Bill, they told me I had been existing on one lung. Yeah. So get this. When we thought that this was an injury, it wasn't an injury. The blood clot started right there. And the excruciating pain and the shortness of breath, it's because the oxygen in this area had already died in that area. There was no oxygen going to that area. Then on top of that, it moves and goes up. So now there's just now it's basically no no lung here. And then there's another one in the in the right. And the right is stronger because of course this was where it started. So now the right is doing all the work. And I'm guys, I'm setting up a studio. I'm I'm you know walking and going up hills and you know I I just ask my body <laughs> to do the most insane insane thing on one lung. One demand on your heart. Yeah. And that may have been what enlarged it, didn't they tell you? Yeah, because yeah. it had to work so hard. Yeah. I was pushing, and it really was because the gentleman, the doctor at the urgent care, he told me I had congestion in my, in my 
chest and that I was I had a severe cold. So I'm thinking there's no way this is gonna get me. I'm gonna sweat, I'm gonna sweat, I'm gonna I'm gonna work out, I'm gonna this is not gonna beat me. And that's why I was going so hard because I wanna get rid of this cold right now. If it's a cold, if it's congestion, I'm I'm gonna get rid of it now. And I didn't know that I was making it worse. It it me doing all of that pushed that clot further up until it hit the main artery. And if I didn't go to that ER, I wouldn't be here right now. And I just, I wish that the first doctor at the urgent care said to me, you know what, get a second opinion, go to the ER. They never did, they never did. And guys, if you take nothing away from the story, please take away that if you have anything wrong with you, ER first. The urgent care has, it doesn't have the equipment to, to diagnose you and, and you're probably gonna get misdiagnosed. So cut everything in half and just go right to the ER. It may cost a little bit more, but it, it, it might save you life. And sure, you're so right because um, when you got out of the hospital, you and I started analyzing and going back into the symptoms and everything. Fortunately, you know, um, um, my journey or your journey, weight training log, which mm -hmm. we both have, which we created, mm -hmm. we've chronicled Shearer's workouts. And we could look back and it was June 27th that she, like she had pain in her side, difficulty breathing. That was the first sign. And that had been, it had been six weeks prior to the surgery that the initiated and she had told me, the doctor told her, that was the start of the blood clot. Yeah. You never pulled a muscle. But yeah. You had yeah. never pulled a yeah. muscle. That was the start of the blood clot. And she had lost oxygen at that point and had been, guys, virtually functioning on one lung mm -hmm. for six weeks. Working out, climbing hills at the park, physically working to build the studio, painting, and, and around paint. We were painting. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. As destructive as you can be, we, you know, <laughs> yeah. and yet you yeah. don't know what, what you don't know can kill you. Mm -hmm. And yet it just shows us that God had this special purpose. And he instinctively told you, no, you go now. Go to the doctor yeah. now. That's Thursday morning. But to think that, and then we just didn't know. We assumed it was a full muscle, but the doctors confirmed. And fortunately, we had this chronicle of her workouts and her how she felt and <laughs> and this persisted, I'd make notes on, where we had to cut back the workout. We had to do this because shortness of breath. Yeah. Couldn't breathe. Yeah. And the pain is, and I, at one point I think we put, oh, she has a virus. Because yeah. that's what urgent care had told us. So, and she said, Bill, I can work through this. I'll sweat it out and we'll keep training. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I said, okay, sure. We'll just, we'll modify the workouts and we'll do what we can. And she pushed on through as best she could till it got to a point and I, still can remember her sitting on the bench shaking her head not understanding it i didn't understand either why she couldn't breathe it's, she blood clots had formed already at that yeah. point it's, it was I mean, like a dream hazy just like a dream and i just I, I i wanted it to be a dream so bad but it wasn't and the next few days were recovery i mean they washed me like a hawk Okay. Mm -hmm. I remember I got up to just my purse is like right over there and I got up to get the Mishem yes what are you doing um, 
I'm just going to get my purse. No, like I couldn't do anything. And um, and I want to because now my body, again, my mind, you're good. And you know, like a phone charger, I, when I'm at one percent, you plug me in that five percent. All right, energize. Let's go. So I'm thinking, all right, I can walk around. I'm good. But no, I was still on the heparin drip. Um, and that heparin is to um, thin out whatever smaller clots are still there. So they had to watch me. And I just got out of the procedure, so they wanted to see how well I was going to do. Um, they sat me up for, and I think because I was straight up, I felt lightheaded, and they put me back down, and um, they laid me back down. And then I went to sleep for about an hour, and that's when we came in and um, we ate, we talked, we had we had we had a good time, but again, Bill had to leave and I was there by myself and you know, the staff, you know, really made my stay very well. Because like you say, the staff can make or break your stay. I was in the best care. They watched me like nobody's business. <laughs> Especially when they found out that I was all these things and the nurse, one of the nurse comes in and she goes, you know, um, I, I understand why you're a busy bee and why you're like this overachiever and you have all these things, you know, you do and, you know, you're in the Library of Congress and you have all these things going on and you never stop. And I go, why? And she goes, you know what's your blood type? <laughs> I said, what? And she goes, A plus. <laughs> I was an A plus student since I was born. <laughs> Well, they, they had the humor and they really tried to get to know me. And, you know, I mean, at one point I sent Bill on the scavenger hunt and what, yeah, go ahead and let him know what the scavenger hunt was. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I wanted to be there for sure every day. My friend, I, I've been in the hospital myself and, you know, that's, that's when you find out who your friends are. Yeah. People that, you know, if you mean enough to them, we'll drop everything and go and see you. And um, that was really was my mission. Whenever I could possibly get there to be by her side, I did. And um, I was on the way down. I called to say she was doing a letter. No, I'm, I'm coming. I'm on the way down. And she said, Bill, can you, can you go buy a beauty supply store for me? I said, sure. I'm in there all the time. Yeah. I need some wigs. <laughs> no, not an issue. I need some thread. Familiar with it. Uh, and I need clips, and I need these J-hooks. and oh, yeah. <laughs> J-hooks. Like the back of my hand. I said, I got this. So um, I think the store was just this side of Alabama. <laughs> and I found the store, and I walked in. And the ladies were so kind and patient when they stared at me. But the, here's the beauty of technology, guys. Shira said, as soon as you get out of this store... I'm going to FaceTime you. And yep. she directed me as to, otherwise I would have been there till it closed yeah. to find everything. But I found what she needed. I found all the supplies and went up to the register. The guy looked at me with these wigs and I said, look, what happened to your station, right? And he said, goes no further. I said, good. I said, turn the cameras off. Anyway, <laughs> so... I, I, I was able to get that, and I went and checked on Rain and fed Rain and cleaned up and took Rain out. I didn't take her out, but I, I fed her and checked on her and stayed with her for a little time because she's been alone all the time. She was yeah. in the hospital, so I spent some 
about 45 minutes there with Rain and played with her and then headed over uh, with the wigs. And also I had to, Shira had me, I had to get this <laughs> bust from her house of a few, like a head. A mannequin. A mannequin head, yeah, a mannequin head. And I had to, you know, uh, smuggle that into the hospital without <laughs> being questioned, you know. Unfortunately, I wasn't searched for guns or right. weapons. It's just a mannequin head. I said, I'm not a threat. Hey. <laughs> Listen, I needed to make use of my time. Why not make a wig when I'm there, right? I am a beautician guy. So I said, <laughs> least I could do for my friend is go to buy the beauty supply store. But we have a standing agreement, no more. I'm not going there. <laughs> Once, that's it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So she had this big smile, not at me, at the wigs and the mannequin head. So I brought everything, so she was happy. And, um, but I mean, the least you could do for your friend, if that's, that's the only demand she had, happy to do it. And um, I came, we visited some that day, and then I came by the next day, which was supposed to be her release day, as I recall. Yeah. And no, ladies and gentlemen, and that's when you're at the mercy of a hospital. They wanted her one more day, which was scary. We thought we were out of the woods, but they said, no, we want to run some more tests. We're not ready to let her go yet. And she stayed one more day, and I came up that day. And, um, you best, know, one of the best parts of this of our stay was, I think it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. And, you know, they I, I had the, the heparin. They had already done a, a new heart ultrasound. They did an x-ray, they did another CT scan, so they could see what everything looked like now versus before. And I think that was like day four of, of day three. And, you know, guys, the way you know you have a really good friend, Bill had my laptop, and he's <laughs> reading, and I'm making the wig. And we're just sitting, I'm looking in one direction, He's looking on the laptop, and we're just there. And I look over, and he's there, and he looks over, I'm here. And we're just happy, just five hours of, of that. <laughs> and it was just the company of having someone sit with you. And I didn't have a TV in my room, and I didn't want to be on the phone, so I used my time to make the wig and just, you know, just take your mind somewhere else. And to have you sitting there, like, just look over, oh, he's right here. It just it felt really good to know that my good friend is sitting right next to me. On a Saturday, guys, he could be doing anything else. And he's in the dark hospital room with me reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's more to the story because what I was reading, for those of you who don't know, she was a writer. We collaborated on a book already, she and I, a book about my life, but she has a novel coming out, sorry, but she's got her first major novel coming out and she gave me the privilege of reading the first chapter and guys i i'm greedy i was hungry for more and she allowed me to read the second chapter of her new novel that's going to be coming out very soon and now that she's back and healthy she's going to complete it but i'm privileged to have read the first two chapters and guys it is a page turner i can't wait for her to finish so I didn't mind being in the hospital that much oh, that, yeah. that afternoon. <laughs> you got some sneak peeks. That's what you said. Yes, I did. <laughs> no, but it was it was nice to have you there. I mean, you know, Bill, you you are one of the best friends I've ever had. To sit in 
just just the whole entire stay, you know, guys, he never complained. And I sent him on the scavenger hunt, both out in the streets and in the apartment. Can you feel, go in that drawer and take that out. And oh, oh, put that back in. He never complained. He never asked me why or nothing. He did everything as I instructed. No lip, nothing. He took care of rain. I never worried one time about anything because I, I, I didn't have to. If if he would call, do you, do you want something to eat? Oh, no, but I got some hospital food here. You know, I can't have certain things, but you sure? Want me to bring you something? No, no, I'm okay. And he just made sure I was taken care of top to bottom. And then he was there when I was discharged. And that's, that's, the, that's a horrible experience, but also a good experience because you really see who your, who your friends are. And in saying that, I also want to thank the, all my other friends who came, my, my sister, you know, I want to thank the, the hospital staff for taking care of me. And I just, I'm very thankful to be here. I'm very thankful for the friends that I have and the people that supported me because without it, that's that's the part of the recovery that you need is the people around and Bill did an outstanding job. And <laughs> thank you to Nancy. Wife. Well, my wife yeah. was very understanding when I said I've got to go. I've got to be with her. And, you know, I, I felt it was especially critical to help her get home and help her get settled. And, and you know, it's, yeah, I mean, you're out of the hospital, then what? No one thinks, well, what about the next day and the yeah. day after that? Is she okay? Can she get along on her own? She just got out of intensive care. So I really was concerned that, you know, I, I you know, followed her home make sure she could, you know, get home and, and uh, you know, get settled in and, and got some groceries so she, you know, to help her through her week of yeah. recovery, just to help out and, and so that she could be okay on her own because, um, you know, that's when everybody seems, oh, they're out of the hospital, they're good. No, they're not. That's just the beginning yeah. of the road back. That's just the beginning. So I continued, I, although I couldn't continue to go down there every day, I continued to check on her every single day and, see how she was feeling and see how she was doing. And when she felt strong enough, uh, came down and visited. Yeah. I mean, that was like day four. Because I'm not a person that's idle. I don't even know what that is. So I spend, when I spend time in my house, it's because I'm off and I'm resting from the day before that I've worked. You <laughs> and know. I kept telling her, don't do too much. <laughs> First of all, I was mad as hell that she brought the computer to the hospital. <laughs> Woman's in intensive care. She's on machines. She's got her computer. She's doing work. I'm surprised the hospital staff didn't take it away from you. Oh, can you plug out that life machine? I want to plug my charger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... Miss Shim, that's keeping you alive. I don't care. I need my computer. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> it's, it's, my, it's part of my survival kit. More than a phone. The laptop. But it's... <laughs> I went up. I, I, you know, the days I were home, the first couple of days were not hard. It was, it felt normal. I felt like I was, I was okay. I mean, I am, I'm taking blood thinners, which is, you know, maybe for a couple of months, they don't know for sure how long, but that's it. I'm just taking the blood thinners. And then I do have to take it easy to give my heart and my lungs the time to heal. So no extraneous things, no lifting or doing anything crazy. But I, I just felt like I was at home after a couple of days of just working for a long time, relaxing. And then the boredom set in. 
I need to go work. <laughs> so I text Bill, do you think I can come? He's like, well, you know, you better not do anything. And I find myself trying to not do anything. But, you know, we, we, we worked hard and this is the result through blood clot and all. We got this studio set up. And as bad as this, this is going to sound, I am so glad that I that we got the studio set up through that six weeks of not breathing because right now I, I feel great, but I also don't want to overdo anything. So that so to have to build things and move things and do things after coming out of the hospital, I think it would be a lot harder. It was such a yeah. blessing that was already done. Yeah. Such a blessing that was already done. This whole ordeal, um, I mean, Shira can tell you volumes more than I can. <laughs> This ordeal enlightened me because I almost lost my friend. And it taught me the value of a friendship and how touchy it can be and how quickly it can be taken away, how I can lose my friend. And there's no blame here. There's no fault here. Um, there's no one to say why randomly she was chosen. But was she randomly chosen or was she randomly saved? But the lesson I got from this was God has plans for her and things for her to do. And he was with her the whole time. Yes, this was terribly unfortunate. And yes, what a what a life lesson that we have to... For me, my takeaway was that we can't take anything for granted. Every day is a gift. And uh, Shira took as, as strong and, and determined and powerful as she is. All that was taken away from her. And she had to comply with the everything the hospital staff had her do. She was completely helpless. She had no power over even going to the bathroom. And I, on the sidelines, I'm saying, wow, wow, my friend, and seeing you all hooked up to machines, it was almost a bad dream for me, too. Um, but the appreciation I have of, of thanking God for every day and our health in particular. Guys, money, yeah, we need money. We have to survive. But your health is your wealth. I'm so glad to have my friend back and healthy again and able to do what she could do. So no. we're happy to bring this show to you. The, the day I left the hospital, they had to wheel me out in this wheelchair. My wheels carrying my bag, my suitcase, <laughs> which is my work bag. And the, the the closer I get to outside, I just, you, you realize that's life, is is, is breathing. It's, it's being able to, to walk out. It's, you know, experience outside. And I've been trapped inside for five and five, six days, and I, I get outside, we get to the car, and the sun just hit my shoulder. And we, we feel the sun every day, you know? But it's, that's what life is, to feel the sun on your skin. And I'm thinking, man, I, I, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy I'm, I live to tell the story. I'm, I'm happy I can feel the sun on my skin, winding the window down and having the wind hit you in the face and your hair blow back. That's that's a feeling we get every single day, but when it's almost taken from you, it's it's such a beautiful feeling to get that back. And I remember just the couple of days after this, after leaving the hospital, I would wake up and just check, just to, just to check. My body naturally. Because for six weeks I was always I was always getting up three o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting on the side of the bed, you know, 
just trying to breathe and wondering what is this so i i guess my body's still remembering that and i would wake up oh, I'm good. I'm good. and i would just lay in the bed and i learned to uh just appreciate life you know my, my birthday's coming up <laughs> i will be 34 and i almost didn't have a birthday and there's never been a year so far that I've said, I don't want anything. I don't, I don't care what we do. I don't, you know, it's not a big deal to me because I was almost gone. And now I only care about enjoying life. And in the, when I was in the surgery and I was thinking I was gonna die on the table, I came to this conclusion that there's nothing that I want. Now, I've been given a second chance and I'm going to use it. I'm going to make a legacy. I'm going to, if I got to go one day, I'm going to leave a legacy. And that's what my purpose is going to be, doing the things I love to do. I'm going to go as slow as I want. I'm going to enjoy the little things, the, 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 the parks, the beach, the, the things we take for granted. And those things you could never, ever get back. So I'm, I'm so grateful and just to think that I could not have been here. That's, it's, it's, it's beyond, it's just beyond anything, you know? It's, 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 it's so unreal because you just, you, you get up and you live life and you don't think about these small things and just the smallest of things, like not being able to breathe, once that is taken away, that is that's not life. Life is breathing. It's it's the air. It's in your lungs. It what animates you. What makes you who you are. It's it's who you are. And without that, you're dead. So it may sound cliche, but <laughs> I have learned to take every single day as this adventure. And this beautiful thing that you could just you could lose at any point. So appreciate it. That's the message. <laughs> <laughs> wow, heavy lessons here today, guys. Yeah. Heavy yeah. lessons. Mm -hmm. I'm sure glad my friend is still around. <laughs> and thank you for coming, bro. I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, of course, of course. That's <laughs> don't even mention that. Okay. <laughs> We're so glad you joined us today. Yes, yes, yes. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of A Dose of Uncommon. We didn't think it would happen, but we're here. <laughs> so <laughs> we will catch you guys next week. And we hope to read your wonderful comments and say hello when you can. Bye for now. <laughs>